Hey, welcome. It is Monday, February 15th, day after Valentine's Day, Ever Ohio. And I'm here as always with Craig and Brandon. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Very good. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing well too. A very snowy morning. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a second. But as always, there's a ton of content on our um, pocket feed as well as our webpage. Uh, we've got Craig with some more HBO Max reviews. Craig is going to get through HBO Max by the time we're done, which is great. <laughs> so it'll be good. HBO Max, I need my free you know membership because you know we're giving you tons of publicity. That'd be great. So yeah, so um, checked out over the weekend. Uh, we have a Seinfeld episode. Um, Paul. Yeah, Paul Yanchek is reading like 15 books a month, and over the weekend he reviewed a book, uh, Quiet, from Susan King. Um, I'm talking to Paul on a podcast later today. I, I, I have to ask him, how can you read 15 books a month? I mean, it, it's impressive. Nothing against Paul. It's just crazy. It, it's wild. Um, yeah, check out our sponsors. Um, you know, Chase Bank. I'm um, seeing a couple of you guys are also checking out the Manly Man Company. So if you want a unique uh, gift for the guy in your life, check them out. It should be great. And, well, anything else? Lots, lots of stuff to promote, as always. And, again, share us on social media and subscribe. I love to see all the people who have been subscribing and liking the Ohio page. Thank you for continuing to support us. We really appreciate that. And also, uh, a quick thanks to uh, Greg Morton for coming on last Friday. Uh, love having Greg on, and Greg's got open invitation anytime he wants to come back. But let's talk about this weekend, guys. Um, Craig is telling me there's a lot of snow coming down in the Fremont area. Uh, Brandon, I'm seeing the roads are covered, still dark. I'm not seeing that much snow. What are you seeing over on your side of town? I see like a, a thin layer of new snow added overnight. Um, and that's about all I got for Ohio. But I know folks down in te uh, Texas, they're tweeting out day after tomorrow. Um, <laughs> yeah. All counties got some sort of weather issue. I guess I'm not sure if that means they all have snow, but currently Dallas is having a nice good, a nice good, uh, maybe level one snow emergency uh, equivalent of Ohio down there, and they're freaking out. So um, I know you get mad when folks in the south are enjoying the heat the down there. Right. <laughs> Need to call Dennis Quaid to save lives. What's that, Craig? We need to call Dennis Quaid to come save everybody's uh, lives, and you know. Some giant building, you know. Well, I, I, I gotta tell you, here's my fear, and again, it's all over the news. Ohio is under a big a winter storm warning. Uh, we got some snow during the night last night, guys. I'm hearing from I think it's like 2 p.m. today, Monday to 2 a.m. Tuesday, we're going to get slammed. Uh, they're talking about an inch an hour, possibly this evening from 6 to 11 p.m. Um, so, yeah, no school today and no work for some people because of the holiday. It being President's Day, but there may be more cancellations tomorrow. We'll have to see. I'm excited. Matt uh, Brunning from ODOT, uh, spokesman, he's going to come on about noon. And, again, it'll be a separate podcast we'll release right away. Uh, we're not sitting on live for six hours. Don't worry, everybody. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Matt will come on, and he'll give us uh, just kind of an update on what's happening snow-wise and – uh, Matt is a great follow on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, please follow Matt because Matt gives you a lot of updates and a lot of little snark. Um, I guess he gets upset when if you complain about the snow in front of your house. Like if you live in the lot, you're like, why isn't ODOT plowing my roads? Well, no, ODOT plows the highways, not not your roads. So 
Quit tweeting him, Brandon. <laughs> Stop tweeting your complaints in that point. So it should be good. Uh, but yeah, lots of snow happening. Um, what are you guys doing to combat it? I mean, I guess you know we're under COVID, so there's not many reasons to go a million places. I guess it, if we want to have a like, huge snowstorm, hey, at least it's during a pandemic. We don't have to go out anyway, right? Yeah, I mean, I stayed in, went out yesterday for Valentine's Day, but uh, definitely plan on staying in here for the next couple days, that's for sure. Definitely. Um, Brandon, I know you're not a big go-out type guy. Any, any huge plans for the next day or two? Or are you kind of sheltering in place, I guess? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I got I, I, to, to elaborate, I guess, um, yeah, there's – it's just work from home, which is nice, and uh, um, some other projects on the side. Um, you know, Death the Kid is not writing himself. Um, <laughs> all, all, all the uh, book fans out there are like, wow, great. And they're all excited as Brandon's working on that, his new book. They're like, get working, Brandon. We got to get that out. So I think by yeah. now everybody might have a drinking game based on how many, if we reference yes. Death Kid, you know. I, I'm not even writing about him to be honest. This is something that evolved strangely. You guys created him. He's not. This has nothing to do with the book I'm actually writing. But well, of course we did. That that was the. That's the point. Is we created this monster. Now you have to write about it. So I have to write about it, dude. (laughs) Maybe I'll do it as a comic book or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Graphic novel. Graphic. Graphic novel. Excuse me. Yeah. Let's do that. It's not a comic book, Dad. It's graphic novel. (laughs) It's required reading for high school. I, I apologize, podcast people, for us getting to Death Kid like six minutes in the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> very much apologize. Well, how was you guys Valentine's Day? Uh, I guess for me, uh, it was nice. I got to, uh, with having two kids in your house, there's really not a lot of great romantic moments. So uh, our church was nice. They had this service where they'll watch your kid at the church. It was all socially distanced, all safe. It said everyone's wearing masks at the church, so we dropped it off for a couple hours. Got to spend a couple hours on our own. And, you know, I sound like an old funny day, but, man, with two kids, you don't get that those moments that much. So that was nice. And yesterday, I don't know, my, my wife worked a little bit. We hung out. She gave us some Valentine's Day gifts at the end. And it was just nice being a family. It, it was good. Uh, Brandon, any huge Valentine's Day stuff you, you did? No, we just I just went over and got takeout from uh, Bear Burger down in the Arena District. Okay. Um, you know, my wife is now vegan, so we have our choices oh. can be kind of limited throughout the Central Ohio area. But I mean, I'll say that Central Ohio does have a good couple good 100% vegan places. Um, but I'm not a vegan; I'm a carnivore with pride, <laughs> <laughs> so it makes it a little more challenging. But Bear Burger fortunately has the. Uh, uh, tell of the best worlds of both or whatnot. So, um, um, yeah, and just went. I was a little surprised. I went. I had actually this first time, one of the rare times, I went down to the short north to pick up or the arena district kind of ish area to pick up food. Um, and I was surprised mm-hmm. at how packed the parking lot at North Market was. Um, how packed the street. I thought I was going to find parking quite, quite easily. Um, and maybe I did by usual standards. I found a meter that still had money in the feed. So, um, um, but it just makes me kind of doom and gloom about the whole COVID thing. Like, 
There was like so even people, a guy playing a banjo out there. <laughs> I'm like, so so people weren't social distancing. It wasn't just that there was no parking. Well, people were kind of close I together. Mean, if, you go by, if you go by the parking parking lot, you just know that people are out and about. And I don't know. Maybe they are social distancing. Who knows? Or they're wearing masks at least. But you know what I mean. It's like you're if you can stay home, stay home. <laughs> right. Right. But. It, I don't know. North Market doesn't strike me as like a. Uh, I mean, it's a great place, and I'm sure there's got some great uh, vendors there that you might that might be your usual shopping destination. But I don't know. It's it's just it's just kind. Of, I would only expect to see one or two if you had to go pick up something there. I guess is my point. <laughs> well, and plus it's freaking cold. I mean, no matter what you think about the pandemic, or if you wear a mask or not, it's cold outside. So not that you should never go out, but if you go out, don't go out for a long time. I don't know. I, I gotta say, having two kids, we did our grocery run because we're nervous about today and tomorrow. So we went to a drive—not to drive in, but you know, we—they'll they'll take the groceries out to you at Walmart. It's actually over in your neck of the woods, Brandon, on the west side of town. And it was funny. Um, my daughter had to go to the bathroom, and we're like, I don't know where to take her inside, so we had to rush back home and everything. So, man. I live a life for Valentine's Day. It's good. <laughs> um, Craig, how about you? Uh, I saw pictures of Craig's Valentine's Day. Yeah, yeah we, had a, we had a pretty great Valentine's Day, uh, all socially distanced, mask wearing and everything, and it was great. But, uh, we, from your family? Or? Well, from me and my <laughs> yeah. wife going out. Um, so oh, okay. First, we went to um, a chocolate uh, store in Fremont where she loves the chocolate-covered strawberries. Uh, we got those and some other chocolate, uh, you know, candies and things like that and then uh, yesterday we went out for a lunch thinking it'd be a little bit less crowded which it was thankfully and we went to uh, get some barbecue so you know right up sort of brandon's alley with the carnivore we uh, we had some some ribs and some smoked chicken wings and uh, some macaroni mm -hmm. and, cheese and uh, this really amazing homemade brownie with homemade uh, whipped cream and homemade caramel sauce it was amazing shout out to uh the Q barbecue and brew at uh, Port Clinton. Very, oh. very nice barbecue spot for uh, North Central Ohio. Like it's not, you know, not what you expect from North Central Ohio, small town, but great barbecue. I wonder how affected, obviously the pandemic has affected restaurants <clears throat> since this whole thing started, but the whole thing of Valentine's Day, you know, you take your loved one out to someplace nice and you say, hey, we're going to go real nice. And, you know, we were like, we didn't want to sit in anywhere and, so we're like, well, we'll just do takeout, wherever it might be. And we finally got to the point where we're like, screw it. We're, we're just going to go to Panera, which isn't, you know, fine dining by any means. And it, it, I don't know, it was a good day. I mean, it's good being with family. I guess that's what really matters. I mean, um, not a, a great, you know, time for going away for, for a night or anything else like that. But yeah, just good hanging out with family. So I don't know. And, you know, I'm not into the... Oh, you got, I mean, I bought my wife something and she bought me something, but, you know, I don't know. It just, I think the pandemic taught me just to appreciate family. It was good just sitting around, you know, got a chance to talk to my daughter a little bit last night. Um, and we always talk, but just to really sit down and talk back and forth. It was good. It was very, a very good night. I'll put it that way. So good stuff. Um, and I wonder how it's going to affect Valentine's Day next year. I mean, I'm hoping 
you know, we get to a better place than we are this year. I want. I wonder if everyone's going to go crazy next year going, man, we didn't get to go away for the night or we didn't get to go sit down for a really fancy restaurant or we didn't get to go to that concert. I wonder if everyone's going to be going out next year. I don't know, Brandon. Will affect your plans if if it's better at this time next year. I would I would hope it would affect my time plans next year. Uh, you know, it's kind of a bummer you can't go out and um, enjoy Valentine's like usual or any other kind of event. So um, yeah, I hope hopefully the vaccines will be in a lot of arms by the end of the year, and hopefully we'll get to normal normalcy before the, before uh, the fall. So. Well, speaking of arms, let's get to our, our next story. Um, very interesting. And, you know, Brandon, Craig, and I are all journalists, so we know this. Um, but on Friday nights, Friday's not a huge news day, to be honest with you. When you look at even web analytics, sometimes Friday can be a little bit lesser of a day on the web. Well, whenever you get to the point where they call end of the day Friday as a news dump, so if there's something bad happening, like if you're working at a company and you're firing your CEO or if there's a bad stock price or, or some bad news you might get out there, uh, traditionally, sometimes they say do it on Friday at 3.30 or 4 or 4.30 because, you know, chances are reporters are starting to go home. They're not, you know, people won't pay as much attention to it. Well, we got wind and it, it was fun at work. The inside text message change that I get at work. Lots of fun message I'll have to tell you guys about after the uh, offline. Uh, but we got wind that Mike DeWine was calling one of his press conferences at Friday at 6.15, which is a very weird time for Mike DeWine press conference. I was a little nervous. We kind of poked fun at Mike DeWine and, you know, Greg Morton was making fun of his size. I don't know if he was answering our, our podcast on Friday. I'm not sure what the press conference was about. <laughs> a little bit nervous for myself. I'm like, oh, hopefully I'm not in trouble. But no, seriously, he came out, and it was very interesting. Um, apparently, and we talked about this weeks past, he had this thing saying, hey, I will give the vaccines to schools, but they need to be in, in class by March 1st. And not that Mike DeWine's mean or anything. He just says, hey, there's a limited number of vaccines. we got to figure out how we give it to. Schools, we need to give it to, but we're going to give it to under the stipulation. Well, Mike DeWine comes out at 615, and he's upset. And Mike DeWine's not an angry guy. Uh, he does at least doesn't curse publicly or anything else like that. But you can tell Friday night that uh, you know DeWine was kind of peeved off, to put it bluntly. Uh, I guess some of the schools you look at Cincinnati, some of the schools in Akron weren't opening back up. It was sticking uh, DeWine off. And honestly, a lot of these schools have had their second doses of the vaccine. So what do you do? I mean, he was frustrated. He said, "Hey, this is going to affect things in the future." But it was kind of like his arms were tied. He wasn't sure what to do. Uh, Brandon, what do you make of his 615 press conference and kind of his fallout with some of these schools in Ohio? Oh, it's um, it's tough. You know, you, you, you kind of see the argument on both sides. You want kids to get back in the classroom, um, you know, because the online remote learning, one, we weren't, we weren't really good at it at the beginning, and we're starting to get – better as we go along because we have to but it still doesn't there's still some things that you can't replace with uh you can't replace with virtual learning um at the same time you know it's trying to make sure teachers and students are safe and you know even when we get the vaccine it's um still kind of 
pertinent that, you know, still wear masks, still have some social distancing policies until we start to see those numbers come down. That'll be really, that's going to be really the crux of it all. With some people who get vaccines might say, oh, I don't need to wear a mask anymore. Nope, still wear a mask. Um, it's still social distance. I mean, really wait until, you know, like I say, the way this pandemic's going to end is going to be more of, it's going to end with like a very s slow, painful um, exit out the way door. It'll, it'll like still have its foot halfway through the door on some with some minor restrictions left in place. And we're all asking ourselves, why are these restrictions still in place? But um, um, that's how it's going to be. Um, you know, I really think a bigger, you know, I, I totally get it because there's such a limited amount of vaccines and you want kids to get back in school if they're getting the vaccine or teachers are getting them as, as well. Um and um, uh, I think schools districts, though, know their districts a little bit better and they have an idea, you know, so you kind of have to have a little flexibility in that sense and um, really kind of um, look at it from there, that perspective, too. Um, really, I'd love to see bigger conversation of what are we going to do when the next pandemic happens, you know, because right. it, it's 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 this is this pandemic has revealed a great weakness in our education system. It's if there's some calamity, are we going to be prepared for, um, you know, for making sure this won't happen again in the way it did in terms of like how education was disrupted? Um, you know, maybe the easiest route and maybe the most um, possible way is to make sure that every child has access to the internet at home, um, making sure that, um, there's ways for um, teachers to still stay connected with their students, you know, these kinds of things. I mean, I would love to see some out-of-the-box ideas, discussions, public boarding schools, stuff like that. I mean, I don't know what that way, you know, kind of like create bubbles when there is another pandemic down the road in the future, whether it's 100 years from now or not. So I don't know. Lots of things I'm spitballing, but that's kind of where my mind's at right now. Well, as a parent, too. And I'm not sure if it's the government's responsibility to take care of us, but as a parent, I mean, we're lucky. I mean, right now, my wife teaches where my kids go to, you know, and that makes it so much easier. And for me, I mean, I get to work from home. Now, my wife and I have had discussions about this. I can't work from home all day while watching the kids. I mean, I almost said, hey, you know, the, tr the house is going to get trashed. I mean, you know, I'll make sure they don't die in the house, but I can't you know, walk around and get them out of things and everything else. Uh, yeah, Craig, I, I, I'm i intrigued by what Brandon's saying because, you know, we still don't have the vaccine availability. And, and granted, the new president's only been in uh, power for a couple of weeks, but even back to when this whole thing started, we talked about how, oh, we're rapidly deploying these vaccines and still the vaccines aren't quite all there yet. And what do we do the next time? I mean, I think it was, you know, supposedly President Obama left the playbook saying, hey, this is what's going to happen. And that was ignored by Trump and Trump wanted to do his own thing and everything. I, I mean, yeah, we need to get ahead of this. And I think we're still behind when it comes to eliminating COVID, when it comes to vaccines and when it comes to next time. How do we do that? I mean, it seems easier said than done. Is there a way to actually do what we're talking about? I don't know. I mean, I, you know, Brandon had some intriguing ideas, but, you know, 
we've seen this throughout the whole process. We, we've been behind on unemployment. We've been behind on education. It seems like there isn't anything that we're not behind on. And hopefully after all of this kind of dust settles and we can start getting back to normal, that people start really, you know, getting these plans in place just in case something like this were to happen again, because you can't assume that it's going to be another hundred years. And even if it is, you sort of want those people to kind of understand what maybe you can do to, to maybe, you know, curtail some of the issues, but it's just been a mess. And, you know, I, I kind of feel a little bad for, for governor DeWine because he had this plan, schools agreed to it. And then, you know, some of these schools are kind of, I'm not trying to say that they're trying to bait and switch him and, and get the vaccine for the people that want the vaccine in their district and then say, Oh, well, we're not going to go back until we feel like it, but it, it does kind of come across that way. I mean, I know, you know, reading the, the Cincinnati.com story, um, you know, the uh, superintendent, David James, are in Akron City Schools, um, basically said that he thought that the March 1st deadline was flexible. And I don't I don't know that I've ever gotten that from DeWine. I, I really DeWine's been pretty firm that he wants people to commit to return full time or hybrid by March 1st. And then he goes on to say, you know, he feels like their hybrid model is in compliance. But then later in the story, I think it says, what, 2,000 of the 21,000 students are back in school in this hybrid model. So a lot of it just doesn't add up. And there's a lot of schools, you know, Fremont City Schools is chomping out the bit to get back into, you know, in-person learning. I know a lot of other school districts are, and they're probably not very thrilled with some of these schools maybe, you know, taking advantage of this, not just getting the vaccine, but having an opportunity to go back to school and then not really taking that advantage because I think every superintendent you talk to will say in-person learning is the best way to educate the kids, but everybody wants to do it in a safe way. And this is the, the safest way we've come across with, you know, allowing these schools to get vaccines before maybe some of the general public that really needs it. Well, and Brandon, I'm reading this story too. And here's the thing that's starting to bother me about, the whole situation. And, and yeah, it's the wine. It's I think everything. So there's not much the wine can do. Like he said, he's not going to stop the second vaccine from going into arms. So, okay. He complains, Oh, this sucks. This is bad. This is horrible. Well, what can he do about it? I mean, you know, he's playing the, the hand he was dealt and everything. Well, and, and here's the other thing. I, uh, we talked to Rachel Coyle uh, last weekend, uh, and, and this was before the news of, the wine in schools broke, and she was talking about the standardized testing. They're talking about taking that away from a year for another year because of the pandemic. And she was telling me about all these other issues educationally the Ohio State House is trying to tackle. They're trying to tackle changes in school funding, and this is something that's been around for 20 years. You, you know, there's a push for that and everything. Probably so more than you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's an ambitious, okay, we want to do this, that, and the other thing. Now, to Rachel's point, I guess my answer to that would be, okay, you can't tackle everything in a year. So, yeah, you, you, you're ambitious. You want to tackle these, and there's some stuff that needs to be tackled. But in the year of COVID, who knows what's going on? So I think about all of that. There's a ton of politics going on here. There's a ton of political issues. Even though DeWine has done some Democratic-type things, he's still a Republican. Schools tend to be a little bit more Democratic when you look at school unions and everything else. Um, you can't fight every fight. Is this a fight that DeWine really wants to fight? Because, you know, you read the Cincinnati.com article, there's schools that are now ticked at DeWine for taking it to the media and everything else. I mean, 
with everything that there is going on, is this a fight that DeWine wants to put his feet in? I, I, I don't understand what he's doing here. Just using the, the governor's bully pulpit, in a sense. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, that's all you can do, I guess, at this point. Like, it's it's like you can't use the vaccine as leverage. and That would just be cruel. Um, and waste of a vaccine, really, for the first shot. But, and then, um, um, so, really, it's like, you know, um, um, and it's sort of weird to kind of, I mean, you can't even say to go, look in hindsight, there's no other way you could implement it. Like, you know, you can't go and say, oh, we all are back up and online, ready to go, and then vaccines will be get issued. Um, I, I, that makes no sense because that just exposes people to the virus. It's so, you know, really and truthfully, I think it's like made the deadline might just been arbitrarily arbitrary or just kind of like it was not a good, it's like it was a, it was a pointless deadline. Um, it, it's almost like, you know, you got to be careful not to be the, the kind of mayor from Jaws where who's telling this family, get in the water. <laughs> the family goes out into the water and they're just kind of like, are we going to get eaten by a shark? Um, you got to be careful not to be that kind of person. It's just kind of, you kind of have to, um, um, you know, focus more on um, just getting vaccines out. That's really, that's really the, the only thing you have control over is just making sure that you can, um, you can, you're working with the federal government, require vaccines and then help, help out with the distribution. And then normalcy will eventually come. It just will take up to a while. It'll take some school districts will feel, um, comfortable on their terms to open reopen school and then some i mean there were some school districts that did the hybrid model back in back in last year and then you know they didn't eventually bring in all the students in using social distancing and then it just it bought it it like they got it caused um a, a blur a bl uh, like a blast of COVID cases and they went back to hybrid model um like I say, it's like some districts, every district situation could be unique or they've been bitten by the virus when they thought they could do this safely. I mean, because it was just the messaging was horrible last year. So there was no like, hey, let's let's hold off, you know, really have have a proper lockdown. Wait till wait till we get vaccines at least and then start doing a slow rollout. I mean, we're all it's just like we're all trying to jump, jump ahead to get back to normalcy and it's like, we're not ready. Um, and now we're like still trying to push. And I don't know if um, it's real. It's just basically at the end of the day, it's not realistic in my, from what I'm seeing. Well, it's why is it no one situation? And look, it's not even just this Friday night thing. It's all over the pandemic because, okay, you have mask mandates. You say, okay, you need to have a mask mandate. People need to wear masks. Well, so he creates his mask mandate, and it's like, well, what happens if you don't obey it? Well, we'll warn you. We'll warn you again. And, I mean, he got to the point where you could give, like, four or five warnings before you finally find somebody. So that means if I'm police guy Chris, I need to see Brandon not wearing his mask five times in a row at separate times for me to say, oh, aren't you that guy? Okay, Brandon, I'll find you or whatever. What the heck? I mean, that doesn't work in a small town like – you know, free mind. It definitely doesn't work in Columbus, like a big city. I mean, I, but then on the other hand, I I don't see the other point too because if we create these harsh, brutal martial law type realities, nobody's going to go for that either. So it's like Dewine's hands are tied, but 
and which is understandable to Brandon's point. I mean, I don't think we need martial law. But then on the other hand, what what does he do? He calls a 615 press conference, which, believe me, uh, from text messages and Twitter, it ticked off a lot of statehouse reporters that they were doing a, a 615 press conference on a Friday night. Right. And really, all but all it was was the gripe. I mean, we're sitting here going like, all right, what's he going to do? Is he going to stop this? Is he going to stop that? No, he's just complaining. So, well, I think you got to realize why he was complaining. I think he was more upset because he felt like there was an agreement in place. And I know it's got to be challenging for big school districts, but these big school districts also got the vaccine very the very first day that it was available, which meant that they would all have their three to four week window by March 1st, essentially, which meant they could go back in with everybody that wanted the vaccine having the vaccine. I think DeWine was upset more so than anything is because we're, we're, we're so limited on our supply of vaccines and we're saying instead of some of the 75 or 65 or, or some of those people with pre-existing health conditions getting those needles right away, they're getting backed up into line because we're giving teachers and, and faculty and staff vaccines first because this agreement is in place to get the schools back going. So I think he's upset because schools aren't, you know, it's it, it almost would be like the, the everyday civilian saying, well, I'm going to get my first vaccine, but maybe I won't get my second. Or maybe I'll get it when I feel like it. Like he's upset, I think, and I don't want to speak for him, but I think he's upset because we have such a limited supply of vaccines all across the state that we're taking away vaccines from 75-year-old people or 65-year-old people or people with pre-existing health conditions that really need the shot or need it more so than a teacher might. And we're giving them to, yeah, some teachers are in that age bracket and some teachers are in pre-existing health conditions that would need it too. But we're taking away those vaccines and now you're having these school systems just basically back out of the deal or decide that they want to make the the terms their own terms. And now, like you said, his hands are tied, but I agree with what you guys said. What are you going to do about it? But I just feel like he wants to publicly gripe about it because he wants these schools to get back in line with the agreement that they made in late January or whatever it was. It, yeah, I, I definitely understand what he's considering and the idea behind it. And I, I think he's got the right intentions in mind. Well, I'll give a personal example. And I apologize if I'm, if I'm offending my family. I haven't talked to you yet about this. So I'm going to talk to you about it during the podcast. Uh, love my brother oh, no. to death. Uh, <laughs> but my brother wants us all to gather a couple weeks to celebrate a late Christmas Easter. Okay? So he wants to answer. Hey, are you guys able to come? I don't know, man. We're, I don't know where we're going to be in a couple weeks. And I'm not talking about what our plans are going to be, but just where we are with COVID. I don't know. And that doesn't mean just a factor of what are the state numbers like. I mean, how is it affecting our family? I, uh, there's a boy who's living with us that because of his um, you know, autism, he doesn't wear a mask. Well, because of that alone, we're very careful of where we go in public, if at all, because I'm not traipsing around the 14-year-old that doesn't have a mask on. I mean, obviously, that, that's bad. That's bad for us. That's bad for the general public. So I, I don't know what the situation is. So you guys are all right in everything you're saying. DeWine's doing probably the best he could. If I'm governor, I'm not sure what else I could do. But he's telling the schools, okay, March 1st is your deadline. Tell me you'll get back to school March 1st. So it's like my brother asking me, okay, are we going to be able to meet for Easter? Tell me. you know, Give me a commitment right now. 
okay, I love my family. So I'm, I'm like, sure, why not? Let's try together and let something happens. Well, if something happens with the boy living with us, my wife's school, the state in general, then we have to go back on our words. Well, same thing with Ohio schools and the governor. I mean, they're not just sitting there lying. Okay, but, you know, but would you, if would would your would your situation be different though if everybody in that that immediate group that was going to meet for the thing, you know, the holiday get together, had the app had the ability to get vaccinated because that's the difference here. You guys aren't in that position right now. Maybe some of the, your family is, but everybody in the school district is being offered this opportunity. You guys well, may not. Me, but what if would would your thoughts change on? Yeah, we'll meet sometime when people it it, it accommodates the schedule. But what if everybody had a chance to be vaccinated for that meeting prior to that meeting? I think you might think of it differently than if you weren't vaccinated versus going and saying let's meet. This is a very weak response. It's not good, but it, it definitely depends on the situation. To be honest with you, I mean, look I at think Fremont. Craig has a point here. Okay, I'll oh, go ahead. Chris. I'm just go saying ahead. that. <laughs> Craig sounds surprised. Your, well, Craig's I'm just saying that in the, in the case of the school districts, the school districts have this option. They can get they can get the vaccine before anybody. You know, if if you have a 30 year old teacher, he or she can get that vaccine right now, whether they have pre existing health conditions or not. It's their choice. Whereas yeah. your family get together, I'm not saying that no one in your family has had access to the vaccine, but your your planning seems to be around the basis of we just want to get together because it's been so long. But what if everybody in your family had access to a vaccine and most of the people did or all of the people got the vaccine? Would your decision on saying, yeah, we're going to meet up because of that, we know everybody's going to be vaccinated. That would probably be different than if you guys weren't vaccinated saying, let's have a meeting because then you want to be flexible because we did that too with my family. We were going to do a socially distant Christmas, but then, you know, my, my sister got sick. So we wanted to make sure she wasn't had COVID. And then there was, you know, other people that maybe been, had been exposed. So we, we canceled it. You know, and so that was the flexibility of canceling. Yeah, we had agreed that we were going to maybe try to do something, you know, six feet apart, essentially, but we couldn't. But now, if everybody was were to be vaccinated in our family, I don't see why we would say no to that. Just like the teachers in the school districts essentially said, yeah, we'll go back to school if we get this vaccine. And now they're not. Well, At least. I, my, my one thing really quick before you get back into it. Sorry about that. But no, you're fine. You're say fine. that. Let, okay, like Fremont City Schools that I'm covering is going to get vaccinated, I believe, on the 24th. That'll be their first dose, which means they won't get their second dose until like the third week of March or something. So my thought process was this. Like, let's say schools got it's a staggered response to, to vaccinations throughout the school districts in the state. Let's say that you commit to the governor's office that we will go back a month after our first vaccine, which means you will have your first and second dose. Now, if your first dose is on today, you know, February 15th, then March 15th, you know, if that's a weekday or whatever, then you would commit to going back to school. Maybe the March 1st deadline was was just arbitrary. And I know you kind of, you guys kind of said that, but, you know, their idea was it was a month after the February 1st you know, first round of inoculations in a lot of those big schools were getting them. And by all accounts, I don't know that everybody got everything that they were, you know, were promised as far as the vaccine goes. But if they were, like if Cincinnati Public Schools was, you know, given that, you know, that everybody got inoculated on 
February 1st or whatever that first week, then they they should commit and they promise to commit to going back March 1st or you know, within that time period, Fremont City Schools is going to go back March 1st before their second dose. And a lot of other schools will do the same, I guarantee it, you know. Well, I guess it's a good point to bring up. And I would agree with probably 99.5% of what you're saying. I, I, I guess what I'm saying, like, I'm looking for that story in the Cincinnati um, Super Tank gets on. It's like, hey, yes, we're committing to go back to schools. Kids are going back to the classrooms. Walnut Hills, I think it was Walnut Hills Elementary or Middle School. That was the uh, school that DeWine specifically referenced. And he said, look, there's a space concern with getting them back to school right now. But we're not lying to you. We're getting the kids back to school. So to the point of like my family situation, the point that you were saying, yeah, get the kids back. I mean, you know, Trump was pushing for it. Even Joe Biden's talking about it. You know, great. But make sure everything's crossed. And understand that certain things could happen. Look, look at Fremont. Say there was a class that there was an outbreak in one class of Fremont. Maybe that closes the class down. Maybe that closes the school down for a week as they, you know, make sure everybody's right. safe. Right. Well, that doesn't mean they're lying to Mike DeWine. That means stuff happens. That means we're still in the pandemic. And, you know, I just. I guess getting back to it, and again, maybe DeWine Salen is the perfect way. I get frustrated when he sets up these deadlines, and we talked about this before, and both of you guys said this. The deadline isn't firm. You know what I mean? So if the deadline's not firm, everyone's got to understand that some things are coming up, and then if, if you're still that upset, but I'm not saying you, I'm saying DeWine, Ohio, some of the other people that are griping about this, then don't make a deadline. Because the deadline is going to be broken because it's COVID. You know what I mean? Yeah, we got to strive for stuff. We, we got to get kids back into school and everything. But we're making these artificial deadlines that we knew from the beginning weren't official, weren't set. There was no real teeth behind it. But then you go on you know, state TV and, and you start griping because that deadline doesn't get followed. I, I mean, hey, I got all the respect in the world for Dwight. I think overall he's doing a good job. I, I think he just got he, he's got to relax a little bit. And I understand the pandemic, not everything is going to go crystal yeah. clear. Well, I don't think anybody complained when he set a deadline last Thursday for lifting the curfew. And then when everything was met, he lifted the curfew on the deadline that he promised. I mean, yeah, I get it. You know, deadlines during a, a pandemic may be, you know, ridiculous at times. But, you know, I think in your, I don't know, maybe in your example, if I followed it correctly, you know, the, the outbreak at the school would, would have been, though, because they were back in school every day right so you know that was that that's the point of it is that they're going to do to start off with fremont city schools is doing a four day a week which is kind of what they started the school district year off with to begin with a hybrid model uh with wednesday being sort of a cleaning day but then by i think march 22nd or so they're going to go back full time five days a week no questions asked unless something catastrophic happens. So I think that, you know, I don't think anybody, I don't think Mike DeWine would be upset if Cincinnati Public Schools has to close down because there's a huge outbreak on March 31st or April 7th. But, but he was upset because one school couldn't open quick. Here, here's, here's the, here's a, here's a stickler here too. Uh, the CDC right here says um, it typically takes a few weeks for the body to build an immunity protection against the virus after vaccination. That means it's possible a person could be infected with the virus causes COVID-19 just before or just after vaccination still gets sick. Um, 
because the vaccine has not had enough time to provide protection. Um, you know, I think there, I think that's another element factor into this is like, how can you still spread COVID even if you can't, you're not going to get COVID, but could you, if you're vaccinated, but you know, could you still spread it at home after you, your kids start going to school and keep in mind, there are a lot of kids who have elderly, um, yeah. parents, grandparents who are raising them because of the opioid crisis. Right, right. Um, so we don't want those kids to spread, bring COVID home, you know, one way or another home. I don't know. I, I think that's, it's always a weird thing. Can you still spread it? And that's why they're always telling us to still wear masks and still follow social distance protocols, even after vaccination. Um, you know, just, uh, I think the, I think deadline might've been too firm. Maybe that's the case, but maybe, you know, better. And maybe the best thing is to, um, kind of, I hate to, we, I know we were kind of, um, the end of the, of the, the school year in of March, 2020 that ended poorly. Um, and then this school year has been kind of choppy with some slow starts, upstarts, restarts, shutdowns, whatnot. Um, and now it's like, if I th- we think about that, if all school districts had brought who got the vaccination, start bringing students back March 1st. I mean, they would have only been in the classroom March 1st, April, maybe till the end of May, maybe June. I don't, it depends on how long they were supposed to stay in to make up for lost time, but there's still going to be that reacclimation period. I don't know if it would have made more sense just to kind of push for um, um, an earlier start school earlier in the next year, you know, maybe early August, maybe even even into July, maybe. And if that's a real unreasonable, maybe another opportunity in our box idea is to really start re looking at the calendar, Ohio school calendar and set push for maybe more of a year round school model. So but um, that's just another two cents I wanted to throw in. But then you've got teachers' contracts and you know union contracts yeah. that you have to deal with if you start the year early or extend the year, and that can open up a can of worms too for renegotiations and raises and things like that. So not a bad idea, Brandon, but just there's a lot of legal red tape that you'd have to go through just to make that yeah, happen. Transition is always the hardest part. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, when there's a well, there's a way, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, in a zillion dollar question here too is. And I, I go back to what Amy Acton said when she was Ohio Health De- Department of Health Director. And why do we think of Amy Acton's material? She said something that no matter what you think about COVID, it's true. How do you use a disaster and a horrible time in America to make life better after it's over? And I'm wondering, I, I agree with Brandon's point, how do we make the educational system better, not just during COVID, but after COVID? But it's almost a very hard question to answer because I, Craig's got a point too. Because how do you how you make it the same for everybody? And I was confused last week about the wine because he was talking in our earlier press conference about hey, educators need to look at the system and see what changes need to be need to be made. Well, is this something statewide? Like if we have year round school. I don't think that's a bad idea. Do we do that statewide, or do we do that saying hey, Akron wants to go year round, but Cincinnati wants a traditional school? And Fremont wants to meet three hours a day. I don't know if everyone could go with their own plan. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of wondering how that works. I mean, Brand's right. We got to look at a different system. It's silly to have these humongous buildings that everyone goes to work at every day. I mean, yeah, online could be better. It may save us more money to have an online model than have our current school model. 
But how do you get everyone to do the same thing? I, I don't know. You'd so. probably see a lot of open enrollment if, uh, like, Akron City Schools was going to school, you know, 12 months a year, and then maybe, you know, Cleveland or Cuyahoga County was going nine months, and they're literally, like, right there, they'd probably just border jump and go to a Cuyahoga County school because who wants to, as a student, do you really want to go, nine, you know, nine months or 12 months a year? You know, you want to have some breaks or, you know, it'd be, it'd be kind of a tough sell to have some schools pick what they want versus other schools, um, you know, not doing that model. It's It's got to be kind of all or nothing, I think, because then you might have some just people going all over the place and have record number of open enrollment cases. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure how practically do that, but I, I know. I, I, I think we, we have to figure out how to change some things about our current model is. And, you know, we look <laughs> at what we all know in log journalism because that's what we do for our careers. I mean, I, I can tell you, and you know, I don't know how much I should say about this, but even with Gannett, I mean, Gannett's kind of taking a look at, you know, yeah, if you don't have a physical building, it might save some money, but does it make more sense down the road? I mean, you know, we think about writing stories. You know, if, if we could write stories from home, you could probably have a more productive workforce too, not just the when same I, money. When I was a, a porter up in Delaware County, Ohio, like the biggest challenge for the Olentangy School District um, was that they have to keep building new buildings. <laughs> they have yeah. an overcrowding issue. Uh, it's, I'm sure a lot of other suburban school districts uh, ha have kind of in, embraced that issue, to have that issue too, as more people move to suburbs because partly because the school districts are better. And it's like, um, you know, you want you want your kid to have the best education possible in the, in the public school model. I mean, I just think COVID kind of came in as the bull in the china shop, so to speak, and really wrecked the, wrecked the system. And I just say it would be a shame that we didn't take this as an opportunity to start, you know, you know, why would you pick up the pieces and put it back to everything the same way and um, not look at, a, hey, this is an opportunity for for cleaning uh, for tra transformation. And you're, to Craig's point, very, it's easier said than done, you know, teacher contracts, union contracts and 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 the and the and of course, parent parent input, because um there may be a lot of ideas that parents might not be receptive to. So, right. but, um, you know, it's, it's, it is worth a, I would love to see more of a conversation. I think that's all I'm advocating for here um, is yeah. let's have a conversation. What can we do? What can we make our education system to weather the next pandemic, whether it's 50 years from now, a hundred years from now, maybe never, but you know, in case it ever did happen, you know, I mean, well, Look practically, you might look at your kid and say, hey, they may do better in an online format. Again, there's I've been told off the record, there are a couple of central Ohio school districts that are going to offer permit online. Because if you think about it, it going back to the charter school argument, charter schools were stealing people away from public schools because they offered online. Public schools didn't do that. So public schools were losing that tax base, you know, that monies that the state gives each kid wherever they go. So again, this is a lot more than just, you know, COVID-19. I mean, if public schools start offering an online uh, component, now they can keep these kids are going away. You know, they want to keep these kids in, in class. So, or in their school district, wherever the case might be. So, I mean, there's a, a million different factors going here. I, I think the other thing that we're forgetting too is with parents say dad and mom work at different jobs. Well, what do they do if their kids staying at home online? You know, I mean, 
it's hard to find childcare, especially during a pandemic. I mean, yeah. you almost hope that grandma's around where grandma can hang out, but you know, maybe grandma doesn't want to be with the kids you know, 40 hours a week. I mean, what do you do? You know, I mean, I mean, it, it's tough. So I, I, and, I'm kind of excited about this. I know we're still in the pandemic. I know we're still a ways away, but I'm looking forward to like year one, two, and three after the pandemic to see how we decide to change our change some of the ways that we do stuff. And to Brandon's point, let's think ahead. Let's not just say, "Oh, yay, the pandemic's over and we're fine," and let's just go back to where we were beforehand. Let's figure out how to make life a little bit better. So, yeah. good conversation, and again. We're in Ohio, and we're talking about Ohio news, and obviously this is not going away today, so I'm sure we'll approach this in the future. So let me close with this. Um, guys, I sent you a couple of stories. We could save those for another day. Um, I thought this was really cool. This is in California. Uh, a 90-year-old guy, um, he's upset at and Man, we're all upset at and for different reasons. So he had this complaint about um, service in his neighborhood, this complaint's been going on for many, many years. So he takes out an ad in the local paper, spends 10000 bucks, and now he's getting his concerns answered. I don't know. I think this is kind of cool. Uh, what do you guys think about this? <laughs> uh, Brainy, you can take that first if you want. Um. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of... So, okay, well, so the story didn't sink in with me. What I'm still like, wait, what? <laughs> well, here's how I'm looking at it. Okay. We talk about social media being a good place to gripe. Well, you might not have a lot of Facebook friends. If you have a lot of Facebook friends, not everybody cares about what you care about. You know what I mean? To be honest with you. So if you complain on Facebook, oh, well. But if you're complaining in a publication or to a broader reach, now you're complaining. And, Brandon, we talked about this. I don't know if you remember, even back when we worked together in the Galleon area. You, you know, you think about advertising. Like, if I'm an advertising salesperson, I'd say, okay, I'm going to call every business in town and offer an advertising. And that's where traditional advertising comes from. But I kind of like this because the guy is using an unconventional way of complaining about something. And why not? Uh, you know, Brandon, we talked about this in small-town papers. Okay, like a church will email and say, hey, we're having a fish fry on, on Saturday. Do a story. And sometimes there's an expectation saying, okay, you'll have to do a story because it's local. I love the idea of saying, hey, if you want coverage of something, be it an upcoming event, if you're PO'd about something, whatever, take out an ad in your local publication. You know your gripe's going to get out there. I, I don't know. That's how I looked at it. And you know, business guess, like, oh, no, I mean, I just got my thoughts now because it, it was kind of just kind of like, I thought it was, it was just kind of bizarre to me. I think what's funny is it's like the, um, when there's this joke that I always saw or being like where someone back in the 90s was like, oh, I got all the, this mail, hardcore, hard copy mail, and then they're excited when they get an email. And now and fast forward years later, they're, they got all these emails, but then they get excited when they have like, um, a hard copy letter, single, sole piece of ma letter of, ma of mail in, the, in their mailbox. Um, this is kind of like how I feel like it is in this situation. Similar is um, just some guy who's really upset but wants to be heard. 
So it doesn't go like the, the route, the free route on social media. It just goes and, you know, chunks out some money for an ad, you know, and, and, um, um, yeah, that's, um, I think that's, it got more, get, definitely will get more attention for it. So it's just, it's, it's genius really. I don't know if it's worth <laughs> the money, but hopefully he's heard. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm assuming if he's paying 10,000, that's not a huge deal to him. Like now if he's got, Twelve thousand life savings. He spends ten thousand gripping with AT and T. The guy's an idiot. But you know, I, I would assume if you spend ten thousand, it's not a big deal to spend ten thousand. But who knows? But no, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of interesting, uh, Craig. You write for a smaller town. Uh, you know, if there's somebody going to city council to gripe, instead of bugging you for a story, why don't they just take an ad in the paper? I mean, <laughs> well, they I can pretty much say what they want. <laughs> well, you know. I understand this this guy's issue because this is this is like a let this be a warning to businesses that no matter how good or bad you are, if you have loyal customers, they will stay with you until the day they die, just because they're loyal. This guy has been a customer since 1960. He spent ten thousand dollars just to get your attention, and he still says that if nothing changes, he may leave, even though he doesn't want to. As, as you know a customer of AT&T my thought is this if, if the service is that bad you know you can make your calls and if it hasn't gone anywhere I would probably just leave the service you know some people don't like change and they don't like to learn new especially as a 90 year old person maybe doesn't like to you know learn new services but you know to spend ten thousand dollars I mean that's great for him that he can afford to do that he said otherwise it would be just vacation money which you know great but I think he uh, might. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, ten thousand for vacation. I am jealous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, look, I, I feel bad for him because he's been a loyal customer, and you know, there are times where you like a, a product and you you don't like to see it get worse, or you don't like to see it meet your standards as it as you move along too. And I, I just feel like you got to cut the cord on this and go somewhere else. And I mean, I'm not saying that this. $10,000 ad ad space isn't going to help, but I, I just feel like at a certain point, you've just got to move on because as they've, it looks like they've kind of said that they've, they're trying to upgrade the network there, but it just isn't, you know, maybe it's just isn't up to snuff or maybe it's just one of those areas that they can't upgrade and maybe it's just right. time to move on. But he's sending a message. I mean, okay, if he just calls yeah. and cancels the service, uh, it's a blip. AT&T is bleeding customers. I mean, they have Customers coming all over the, the place, and if they lose one, it's it's not mentioned in a meeting. It's not mentioned, you know. I maybe know. the customer attention agent on the phone says, "Hey, you could have done more to save the guy," but it, it's a blip on the screen for AT and T. Now the guy's putting it out there. He say, "Hey, you know, look at me. I'm the service." And if the guy's spending ten thousand bucks on an ad, that's ten thousand bucks he could have been spending to AT and T if he was happy with the service. I mean, I think it's a great option for people. And, you know, and I look at advertising where journalists, we always worry about where the advertising dollars are going. Well, instead of keep hitting the same people up and over and calling the same business a hundred times and hoping they change their mind, are we missing something? Disgruntled people in the community, either customers and national organizations or disgruntled people in our area. I, well, I mean, 
I think locally we just get like a letter to the editor. We, you know, we we would, you know, I don't think anybody's thinking I'm going to take out ad space in the news messenger, which is nothing wrong with that. But, you know, we have a letter to the editors, you know, and I think that's kind of sufficient for what people, you know, use to gripe. And, and I don't think they would ever consider advertising unless they absolutely felt they needed to. But at the end of the day, though, in our paper, though, you're not going to get the same response that you would if, you know, like this guy goes to the Wall Street Journal and, you know, takes out a couple of ads. So it's a little bit different, maybe in a bigger city, like when, you you know, with you guys down in Columbus, maybe it would work a little bit better if someone had a gripe with, you know, someone down that way. But not local, not at the small paper, I don't think. That's why we have letter to the editor and, you know. Well, it's it's interesting how the art of the complaint has evolved. Um you know, usually, you know, like you said, the traditional way would be a letter to the editor. Um, and then, of course, it's evolved with social media. Like, I mean, I'm in several Facebook groups now, and people love to vent on there. And then at the same time, well, all these groups are now saying, you are not allowed to complain about businesses in our area. You know, um, it's it's just, it's maybe just had, a, it was a bad day in the office for them or something. But um so, I mean, where can a person just go to get their gripes heard? I mean, maybe they should create some app or, or social media product called Gripes. I'm downloading the Gripes app. <laughs> isn't, that what, isn't that what Yelp is, though? <laughs> People just well, complaining about something and leaving a poor review about it? Well, it's about businesses. Yelp is like a business review. But I'm just saying Gripes can be about anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, let's give a practical example. I mean, Brandon, the area that we Yelp worked at. Reddit had a baby. <laughs> Well, in the area we worked at, you know, there was um, current public officials and people who, who used to be a public officials were griping and screaming at each other in the town that Brandon and I worked at. Well, a current public official wrote a long essay about what he did last year in office. And we had somebody else come up and say, I want to write my essay. Well, they weren't a public official. Well, so we went back and forth from a journalism side and said, well, should we run this or not? Is it fair to run a page-long letter to the other, in essence? Well, Brandon, I think we missed it. Why did we go back to that person and said, look, if you took out a full-page ad in the paper, and I knew that there was money behind what they are saying, it runs. I mean, I think from a journalism side, you could justify that, right? Yeah, I mean... Um... Well, it was definitely a missed sales opportunity. Hey, you want to give well, you a bigger, I mean, bigger splash page? <laughs> right. And, and we're sitting here and, you know, yeah, from a journalism side, we have to protect what we're doing as journalists. So I'm not saying we should just run everything. But, you know, we're, we're, we take a lot of time as journalists trying to explain something to people where they're not going to be happy with. Why don't we just say, hey, if you really want this in the paper, take on that. And, I mean, you think about the ad sales and everything. I mean, maybe that's what can help journalism that's struggling right now. You know what I mean? We, we make all these journalism decisions, and, you know, they're paying it. And granted, journalists don't get paid a lot, but we're, we're wasting a lot of our time, in my opinion, you know, dealing with people who want stories that we know we can't write journalistically. But if we say, hey, if you take our ad, you've got the freedom to, to do what you want. I mean, I think there's opportunities there. I don't know. But does that open up a can of worms for some legal issues? If someone were to write in their advertisement something that may may not be true, and then the company, you know, wants to file a lawsuit because of that, or you know, whatever it may be, because we ran well, it. Or, I well, mean, we yeah. have certain protections, but 
you know. And but that's an entirely different department. That's advertising. Yeah. <laughs> so so that would be like if the local grocery store said, our tomatoes are the greatest tomatoes of all time. Well, that becomes a, a advertising issue. And same thing. You know, advertisers could look at that. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it is intrigued. And, you know, hey, we're, it's about a lot more than just advertising, but I think that's the answer to it. And that's why I kind of say, hey, 90 year old dude in California, bravo. It should be good. So I don't know. Well, we, we got a couple more stories in the interest of time. We're going to hold off on a little bit. Um, one of my least favorite terms in the whole world is cancel culture. And uh, we're going to talk probably sometime this week about Chris Harrison. Uh, he's taking some time off uh, about a mistake he made. And then we're pulling up old YouTube clips now of people that it was a different time and we're screaming at them about stuff they said. Um, there was a YouTube clip of David Lerman kind of being a jerk to Lindsay Lohan that we're judging in 2020 terms about something that happened 10 years ago. So we'll talk about that later this week. But, hey, good conversation, guys. Um, stay safe today. Stay out of the snow. And I don't know. Craig, do you have a day off? I, I don't think President says a – no, good yeah. holiday, right? Okay, I, no, it's not. No, I'm, I'm working. Well, even if it is, I'm working. So, <laughs> sounds good. And, and yeah. Brandon, are you, are you working today? I am. I think I'm in one of those kind of jobs where you get the get, um, you know, Thanksgiving or thanks, you know, the day after Thanksgiving or the day before Christmas uh, off instead of getting all these holidays off. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> hard. Yeah, my my staff. Well, not my staff. My coworkers are working uh, today. I'm currently working Tuesday for Saturday shift, so this is just my usual day off. But I'll be back at it tomorrow. So, all right. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Um, anything we want to shout out before we end the day? Um, my kids want to go to school tomorrow. So, snow, hold off. They want to go to school. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my my 14-year-old, and I don't want to reveal the name of it, but it's got a, what do you call it, a acronym that everyone likes to say, you know, initials of the school. I, I probably shouldn't say it online. But, you know, we chant the initials of the school to him, and he gets all excited. Oh. He does his thumbs up, and he's all, Great. yeah, I'm like, man, I never was like that. And <laughs> my daughter, she doesn't want to go to school, but she is unhappy being at home all day. And mm -hmm. we're already anticipating that Tuesday is probably going to be a snow day. So, yeah, two full days of them being at home. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> I may volunteer to work today. Who knows? I'll say, hey, I, you don't have to pay me. I'll, I'll work all day. I'll that's, be good. good. I mean, it's a school chance like S-E-C. S-E-C. Yeah. Well, no, it's not. It's not. Making fun of the S-E-C at this point. So Right, right. Definitely. Definitely. All right. All right. Oh no, it's okay. It just my I, I'm getting tired now. Just in general, I don't, it, it's been a long week. Yeah, I need to get some rest, and I don't know if I'm going to get the rest of my kids been home. So, but but we'll make it work. Well, thanks again, guys. Uh, this is the Ohio Forte. We'll be back tomorrow with more news, more fun, and more hopefully zany pop culture references. Have a great day, everybody.